Welcome back to the Galaxy's Most Retro Futurist Podcast. That's right, it's Legion of Superheroes versus Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Things are getting towards the end. Uh, things are accelerating. Things are congealing. We are at the penultimate episode of Star Trek Strange New Worlds Season 1, All Those Who Wander, which originally aired uh, two days ago on the 30th of June, 2022. And... We're not quite as far along on the Legion path, but we're getting close to the end there, too. We're talking about Season 1, Episode 9 of Legion Season 1, Substitutes, that originally aired on the 17th of February, 2007. How the hell are you doing tonight, Matt? I'm doing all right. Uh, this episode, Substitutes, pretty, pretty good, Bob. I, I enjoyed it. You didn't feel like it uh, kind of suffered from having, like, two Legion of Superhero tryout episodes in a row? Not really. I feel like it was almost like a continuation of that previous episode. So, kind of neat. <laughs> so they were yeah. still, they were still doing it. You know, still yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I, still on that audition grind, as it were. Right. Do you? So they're kind of broadening up the roster a lot in this episode too, and just kind of broadening up the world in general with all the background characters in this episode in the prior episode does that does that make uh make things feel more interesting more compelling to you or does it just make you feel a little kind of lost like who are all these weird people that i'm maybe supposed to know it really does but it forces me to go into the uh legion of superheroes wiki or whatever and actually like put their names in and find out who they are so having a little bit of fun doing that which is something you can do with the show i mean they honestly that whoever's put together their wiki is awesome they've got every background character you can think of and yeah, yeah. It's amazing how good the wiki is for a show that's not even on HBO Max, right? Like, that was surprising to me because honestly, Bob, I hadn't really heard of this show until you, you know, decided to talk to me about doing a podcast about it. So I'm very surprised that there's such a in-depth wiki. Well, and I think a lot of it is there's I, I think there's a lot less of a gap between Legion the animated series and Legion the comic uh, than a lot of comics and animated shows. And so, you know, there's some things that are different, but I would say that, like, given that the Legion does have a very long established fan base, although, you know, one that's uh, not what it was, say, 20, 30 years ago. Well, honestly, not what it was more like 30, 40 years ago. Um, but still, it's it's pretty easy to, like, take existing Legion stuff and port it over into the animated wiki, although still, yeah, major props to whoever actually did it. Yeah. All right. So in the A plot of Substitutes, Bob... Some Legion rejects form the Legion of Substitute Heroes to thwart Starfinger while the real Legion is busy with Kaiju Furries. So, I, I mean, I have a kind of hot take here. I kind of feel like Chlorophyll Kid's ability to create would actually be profoundly useful given how many uh, Kaiju fights the Legion gets into on an almost weekly basis. Yeah, but with Chlorophyll Kid, Bob, they, they point out during his tryouts that he can't control the plant Kaiju, so it attacks the Legion itself. So it's kind of like a, he doesn't have control of it. Yeah, he doesn't have control, but that's because there aren't any other kaiju around. Like, you know, to go ahead and make a little spoilerly leap ahead to Strange New Worlds this week, it's kind of like the Gorn Babies, right? You know, you just gotta, you just gotta get that uh, plant kaiju near the other kaiju, and they'll fight. They'll see who's the alpha. So you're assuming a lot there. You're assuming those two kaiju will not then just team up and attack the Legion. I mean, do are the Gorn babies going to team up and attack uh, attack the Starfleet personnel? I don't think so, man. I don't. I don't think that's how it goes. Yeah, but but those are they're fighting to see which one is the alpha. So we don't really know that's what's going to happen with these kaiju plant creatures. You don't. You don't think kaiju have alpha dynamics, man? I'm sure they do, but I'm just saying you're causing more of a problem by adding another kaiju into the fight. 
that's you're not in control of. And what if that kaiju beat? What if the kaiju you created is more powerful than the kaiju you were fighting to begin with? Now you're fighting an even more powerful kaiju than you were before. Well, I mean, you have a convenient scapegoat. His name is Chlorophyll Kid. But Chlorophyll Kid can't control it. <laughs> so what's he going to do? Create another kaiju to fight the kaiju no, no, you I'm just, just created? No, I'm just saying you blame it on Chlorophyll Kid. I'm just saying you already have, like, you know, it's like Chlorophyll Kid comes out. He makes a very sorrowful apology. His face kind of looks like a dog's face. Like, all politicians' face look at when they apologize for having an affair. And, you know, he leads him to focus on his family. If he had the same powers as, like, Poison Ivy and was able to control the plants, it'd be different. But, you know, I'm glad they didn't go in that direction. I thought it was kind of cool that he just... He just creates these things for those seeds, and that's really it. In the comics, uh, Poison Ivy isn't Poison Ivy anymore. What is she? She's on? Queen Ivy. Oh, Queen Ivy. That's right. That's right. It's actually a pretty cool story. She like uh, goes underneath Gotham and just kind of burrows her tendrils and roots all the way into the founding of the city. I, I haven't had that much interest in Poison Ivy in a long time. Uh, I'm trying to remember the last real like comics. If you say hush, I'll throw something at you. No, not hush. I thought there was like a Gotham Knights story with Poison Ivy that was okay, but I do not remember what it was. I can't remember it for the life of me. Was that like the Devin Grayson run or later? I think it was the Devin Grayson run. I've actually never read that run, and I've always meant to. It's not too bad. I don't think it's too bad. It just popped in my head when you said Poison Ivy. Okay. Okay. I might. I might. I might go back and check that out someday. Yeah. I, the other. Uh, the other thing I wanted to say about our new subs is that I feel really remiss that we didn't recover. Or we didn't record this during Pride Month. Uh, that would seem very appropriate for a color kid. Well, yeah, but I, I think this guy is really not useful in any way. I mean, how how can his powers be used in any way that would really help the Legion? I mean, I we, saw, we, we saw a very clear use. Uh, you know, he made a dog look like a different dog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I even kept thinking, like, okay, maybe, he, like, if they if they have to, like, sneak in somewhere and in the same color uniforms. Yeah. He's, got, he's got a lot of covert, covert ops potential for Color Kid. Yeah, maybe uh, camouflage <laughs> type stuff. Maybe. Exactly. I, I, don't, exactly. I don't know. He's what a, what a crappy superpower. I just it's just sad. I would hate for that to end up being my superpower. Yeah, yeah. So uh, were you uh, were you happy with the return of Matter Eater Lad, Matt? And uh, do you want to denounce me in any way related to Matter Eater Lad? Well, yeah, I was gonna call you out from the previous episode because you said that uh, he doesn't eat organic material. He only eats inorganic material. But uh, I guess they screwed up in this episode. Yeah, yeah, I was kind of, I was kind of bitter about that. Like matter eaters should, uh, matter eater lad should not be eating organic material, and we see it, we see him do it uh, once in this where he eats a furry, and then he threatens to eat Starfinger's hand. Uh, that you know, love this show, but that was an error. They shouldn't have gone there. Yes, I'm, I'm glad you're paying attention, if only to roast me. Yeah, it seems like he shouldn't be able to eat any of that kind of stuff. It would, he could have just eaten all the furies in this episode, and it would have been the end of the show. Like I don't. <laughs> yeah it's it, yeah like every uh, legion kaiju fight just ends with like superboy doing a fast boy special with matter eater lad aiming him at the kaiju's throat which he just tears out exactly i mean that's <laughs> that's like the best legionnaire you could possibly have another amusing touch with one of the subs was i really liked how infectious lass always has an inhaler with her yeah she's disgusting and gross uh i feel like she's walking around with a, a covid or something and just nasty. I think I think all characters who are going to have this kind of like infection issue or infection power or just nastiness 
are just going to be ultra more scary now due to uh, what's been going on in the real world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You've got a COVID Mary fears now, I see. Exactly. So I will say uh, before you ask, yes, Starfinger is actually a real Legion villain. Um, he tends to be a little more serious in the comics, although he does have a weird thing in the comics where he frequently pretends to be a doctor, uh, especially related to Lightning Lad. So Lightning Lad lost his arm to a space Moby Dick and uh, old Starfinger, I believe, designed the robot arm that replaced it. And then later, when Saturn Girl was uh, pregnant with her and Lightning Lad's uh, twins, uh, Starfinger pretended to be Saturn Girl's obstetrician. So, very weird guy, all told. Yeah, it's really kind of gross. Like, that he was her obstetrician and his name is Starfinger. Just, uh. <laughs> Like... Oh, yeah, I didn't even make that connection. But, yeah, now that you've gone there, not yeah, uh, not great, not great. No. <laughs> I do think his middle finger should be, like, the most destructive power, though. That would be pretty cool if he would have, like, shot them a bird and then shot something like some huge rocket out of his finger. I don't know. There's something pretty charming about it, him being his little finger and him not really, <laughs> not really knowing what it does and that it turns out it's the MacGuffin of the whole episode, as it were. Yeah, shooting fur furries out of his finger. I... I, I couldn't put that figure that out how that works but whatever future science <laughs> all right so we have some or actually i think we have a lot of repetition here but of the background rejectees from the legion um we have antenna lad the mess night girl double header breath boy invisible kid fire lad quake kid polar boy absorbency boy Calamity King, Kinex, Lamprey, Polecat, and Quantum Queen. Did you have a favorite? Yeah, my favorite was the Mess, Bob. And I'm gonna I'm gonna read you the wiki real quick on the Mess. Hit me, hit me. The Mess, aka Meyer Quaid, Quaid, something like that, was born with a personal magnetic field that attracts dirt. This power made him a social outcast, and he applied to the Legion of Superheroes as the Mess in hopes it would elevate his popularity. Instead, his power was deemed useless and was rejected. The mess has the power to attract matter towards his body, but not expel it. So it's kind of like Magneto, but he can't like <laughs> launch the stuff. He can just bring it to him. He's he's like a little bit of a between like isn't it is it Pigpen from the Peanuts and Magneto? Yes, yes, Pigpen and Magneto <laughs> mesh together. Just weird character. Nice, nice. Um, I picked Night Girl last time, so I'll say Calamity King this time. You care to guess what his powers are, Matt? Uh, I actually looked him up in the wiki, Bob. I was originally going to choose him as mine, but then I was like, oh, Bob chose him. So. But, you know, Calamity King, he uh, has bad luck. That's his power. So he's kind of the opposite of Domino in the X-Men. Yeah. Yeah, very comparable to Black Cat in that regard. And then I will say, I also really dig uh, Kinetics, and uh, she's a she's a real Legionnaire from, like, the mid-'90s when they first rebooted the Legion. Now, her thing is she has, like, electrical powers that she, she has to be near these, like, uh, artifacts or something for them to work. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a little needlessly complicated. Yeah, yeah. What can you do? What can you do? <laughs> All right. And then, so, of uh, our proper subs, we have... Uh, Chlorophyll Kid, Stone, Porcupine Pete, and an Infectious Lass. Who's your favorite? All right, so I'm going to still go with Porcupine Pete, Bob. He was my favorite last week. Porcupine Pete's still, I think, the coolest. Not not Porcupine Pete's mom? 
No, not Porcupine Pete's mom, although I do appreciate her giving all of them a ride in her station wagon. Well, and it's just, it's very good that at your highest point, your mother should be able to bring you low. Like, that's that's just an important part of any mother-child dynamic. Right. And we'll see that that station wagon is a very strange uh, connection to uh, Strange New Worlds. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I hadn't even I hadn't even pondered that, but you're absolutely right. Yeah, so my favorite sub uh, remains Infectious Lass. I, I I love her quite a bit, and then we also get a lot of new background legionnaires. So we have Block, Matter Eater Lad, Starboy, Sunboy, and Tyrock. Got a favorite? Uh, I'm gonna go with Tyrock, just because I'm glad to see like some people of color in the Legion cartoon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Apparently, uh, the editor of Legion in the late 50s and the 60s was hella racist and uh, wouldn't allow them to do any non-white characters who weren't aliens. And so uh, they'd, they'd been trying, like writers had been trying to introduce a black Legionnaire for years and the racist set wouldn't allow it. But finally, they got Tyrock through in the early 70s, I believe. Yeah, and then Tyrock's origin, I'll, I'll pull it up real quick. It, it's, it's, it's very interesting. It says, In the 18th century, several slaves taken from Africa revolted, and their ship went adrift. It entered a trans-dimensional island named Marzal that appears once every 200 years on Earth, sometimes. The island was seen as a safe haven and strictly guarded from outsiders. Centuries later, Troy Stewart was born with the power to project sonic screams. He was made the island's guardian, and named Tyrock, which translates to Scream of the Devil. <laughs> and he also has an amazing kind of like Jim Brown meets like Elvis, Elvis in Vegas costume, I guess you could say. Yeah, he's got a really cool costume. So, Yeah, I think people widely regarded that origin as a, a little cringy. And so Tyrock does not show up that much in the comics although i think in the 21st century there have been a couple of attempts to make him more of a regular but yeah i think initially people are just like oh maybe we went a little a little stereotypical with that origin which yeah, i can yeah, see they, arguments for that and i can see arguments against it they went a little overboard I, I go with that but i don't know yeah eventually you do get the second invisible kid who's a, a Cote d'ivoirian so he he actually becomes like more of like a successful regular uh, black member of the team and then uh, Starboy in the original Silver Age comics was white, but he's African American in this, which is nice to see. Right, who was your uh, your favorite here, Bob? Uh, Matter Eater Lad, all the way. Um, although uh, Tyrock is very cool and uh, always nice to see him. So I just want to point out to uh, before we move on to Stranger Worlds that the writers did a really great job of finding ways to utilize the substitutes' powers and keep the script kind of tight within a twenty-two minute episode. Like I really enjoyed this one. I thought it was it was well done. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 very solid, and I'm I'm glad you have wound up liking the subs and the Legion rejects. I could I could see it amusing you, or I could see you just being like, "Why did you make me watch this?" So I'm glad it went the glad it went the former, not the latter. Well, yeah, and it's just it, it, like I said, though, it's because they came up with creative ways for them to use their powers. How how can you ask what color kid uh, can do? You've seen what color kid can do. Right, I saw that one or two things he could do, but that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> they managed to find those one or two things and, uh, and make it interesting. <laughs> all right, man, do you want to walk us through the uh, A plot of All Those Who Wonder, the penultimate episode of Star Trek Strange New World Season 1? Sure, so two red shirts and all the main cast except number one and Ortegas attempt to rescue another Starfleet vessel downed on an ice planet and infested with Gorn eggs. 
All right. And then in the B plot, we have Spock, Kirk, Nuni and Singh, Mbinga, and most of all, Uhura get a chance to work through some of the accumulated issues of Star Trek Strange New World Season 1. So, uh, Matt, should uh, Starfleet cadets have to do logs? I mean, it, it's good practice and like they can reflect on what they've done. I had to do them when I was like student teaching. Yeah, yeah. You see, that, that triggers me, man. I Reflection is one of my least favorite words in the English language, back from my own teacher training, and I don't associate it. My good friend Matt says the word reflection, this <laughs> word I associate with the darkest period of my life. Ugh. Oh, well, well, yeah. I mean, it's good to be able to look back on what you've done and maybe learn from it, Bob. <laughs> I was actually debating with some friends at um, dinner yesterday, um, if uh, Starlight has access to personal logs, and then one of them settled it because apparently in Star Trek VI, when they convict Kirk and McCoy for murder, they do it off of like Kirk's personal logs about his feelings about Cleons. So remember that all Starfleet cadets, uh, anything you put in that personal log, legally actionable. Yeah, kind of makes me wonder too about Cisco. Even though he deleted that one log, I wonder if it like actually saved the information. Yeah, life. yeah. I mean, certainly, you know, if Jeff Bezos were running Starfleet, I, uh, I wouldn't, I, w- I would think Cisco might expect to be up on charges, regardless. Yeah, that shit auto um, saves your as you're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> was I, can you remember? Because that episode came up too. Can you remember if that was an official log or a personal log? I think it was a personal log. Yeah, it probably was a personal log. I mean, but I mean, you can't get more, uh, you can't get more official. Uh, Starfleet business than tricking the Romulans into a war, though. Yeah, if you're if you're recording it on a Starfleet computer, Bob, it's keeping it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Matt, were you excited about the uh, K seven reference uh, early in the episode? Yeah, that's uh, the trouble with Tribble's uh, space station, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, we uh, we had a little like micro machine of it back in the day. Yeah, I I had forgotten about that. It's just a it was a very uh, it looks like a bunch of like pots put together with like sticks on it or something like you know what I'm talking about like it's kind of like what whatever man it's beautiful yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It, was, it was very weird looking I think they reused that model for something else too in the uh, ultimate computer episode I'm sure they did they reused a lot of stuff yeah um so this is a little bit of a random thought but I guess it ties into your uh, use of the word reflection um but between like Cadet Ahura in this season of the show and that one short trek with Pike, they're really like stressing Pike is like a trainer. Yeah. When you compare him to the other captains, he's, he's a lot more involved with the cadets. I feel like they should like have that as a specific job for someone. You know what I mean? Like have like a headmaster or uh, some kind of administrator over the cadets who does all the shit that captain Pike's doing. I'm sure he has enough on his plate as it is to, you know, have to make sure all these cadets are keeping up with their shit. Yeah, yeah. You'd almost think that if they weren't going to designate somebody, they like, or, or, like that they weren't going to have like a job specifically for that. They would just designate like your officers, probably like number one to do it. Oh yeah, yeah. Number one would be perfect for that job. It's one more thing to add to her plate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm sure all the students or the cadets are very happy to have Daddy Pike instead of uh, number one or Nudie and Singh though. Well, yeah, he cooks some breakfast. <laughs> so uh what you're saying matt is you want daddy pike to make you breakfast oh yeah he, makes, he looks like he's making some good stuff bacon and eggs all kinds of great things 
Although I'll say it was kind of cheesy though when he uh, puts the little apron on Spock. I mean, come on, like this is. Hey man, if you want to uh, get that good Pike breakfast, you got to pay for it with a little ritual humiliation. <laughs> I know, yeah. It was a little cheesy, but like Bach is also just so game for it that it's very amusing. Yeah, I like the camaraderie of this crew and how they work together like that. Like you don't see that so much in the original series, except with Spock, McCoy, and Kirk. When you get everybody involved, it's like it's it's a really like. I think you maybe dynamic. see it more in the in like the like the later movies from like two forward, but yeah, it's not really something that's deeply there before. Right, that. right, not in TOS. No, but you do see, you do see it some in like Star Trek four, five, six. Yeah, and even, I mean even three because like they agree to like steal the Enterprise with Kirk. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. So the main kind of point, right, is we're trying to rescue this ship, the Peregrine, and uh, we have very cool visuals of it crashed on this hostile ice planet, this L-class ice planet. Yeah. I just want to say that they utilized the green screen very well and made this look extremely realistic and nice looking. I want Disney to take note. This is what good green screen looks like. Not the shit you get in Obi-Wan and all these Marvel movies. I, I was about to ask how how bitter are you Obi Wan is this a, is this a specific reference to Obi Wan and then you answered yeah it's it's specific to like anything Disney has pumped out in the last year the green screens look terrible literally it's just people running in place I mean that's all it ever is and just ugh. I didn't like, notice it being so bad in Moon Knight although that's about the only thing I can say that wasn't bad in Moon Knight yeah but... Doctor Strange ugh. God. The, the problem is, Bob, if I could, like, recreate it on my phone, if I have the CGI part, like, that's not okay. <laughs> I'm just saying. That's that's kind of what I'm noticing with the Disney stuff. Now, with this, I was like, oh, that actually looks really good. Like, and they're not... I guess it's also the way the actors interact with the background, too. Maybe they're just better... It's just not that constant, like, running from CGI or running from a green screen. Yeah, yeah. Well, as long as we're giving crap to Disney, I, I only watched the first episode of Miss Marvel, and so this shouldn't be taken as a comment on the whole thing. Maybe it gets a lot better. But man, the, the CGI stuff on her powers use in the first uh, the first episode was not great. Not great at all. And the de- the, then they add, add to that the de-aging of characters. It's just, there's just so much CGI, just shit. And to me, Star Trek is doing it, the, they're doing it the right way here. In general, would you if you have a if you have a choice between digitally de-aging someone or recasting them, what would you prefer? I would almost prefer just recasting because my brain is able to like handle that. I think a lot of people though are not able to. Yeah, I kind of feel bad saying that because it's like you know I think acting is an important uh, craft, and I do feel like that movies have made in the last twenty years are kind of devaluing acting. But at the same time, yeah, the de-aging CGI just usually does not look good. Yeah, well, I mean, to take this to Stranger Worlds, Spock, I mean, I haven't even thought about it. I'm like, that's Spock. You know, even if it's a different actor, I still get what he's doing, you know? We're going to have to start accepting that, that these people get recast, and it's not the end of the world. Well, I'd still, I don't know. I, I would love uh, Hollywood to start telling stories that didn't have to have so much <laughs> recasting. Well, you're asking, you're asking for a lot, Bob. That means coming up with original ideas. Yeah, I know, man. I know it's hard. It's hard. <laughs> so going for the original idea here, Bob, uh, this, this, this whole episode was basically alien. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I was a or little confused. Three. 
no, no, no. It wasn't Alien 3, but I, I was originally confused because at first I thought it was either going to be The Thing or Alien, but then things very quickly clarified, and it, yeah, it was Alien Times 3. Now, I wouldn't say it's Alien 3. Oh, yeah, Alien Times 3. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, they're like three aliens. Yeah. Well, I've told you how, like, the uh, Star Trek and Alien were, like, basically originally inspired by, like, the same uh, short story, right? Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's a, it's a long it's a long term connection, but yeah, they, I mean, just full on with like the little baby Gorn vision, with the chest bursting, <laughs> with the fact that the uh, Gorn adapt somewhat to the host that they were incubated in, yeah, just all all of that could not have been more. Some of some of the like, uh, Sam Kirk getting angry at Spock for not showing emotion is very much kind of how the uh, crew was treating Ash in the original Alien film. Hey, for the listeners, Bob, what was the name of the short story? Uh, the collection is Voyage of the Space Beagle, and then I'm blanking on the name of the story. I th- it's Maybe it's Black Destroyer, or maybe it, that's in the collection, but maybe it's a different one. Oh, okay. I, I really like this concept. I You knew it was coming once you realized they were going, and they were like stuck in this you know ship and were going to be attacked. You could already feel the alien vibes. Uh, very scary atmosphere the whole time. I liked it, honestly. I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I was thinking while watching it that the pacing of it was a little weird. I mean, I didn't think it was bad. It was just kind of weird choices on pacing. And I mean, I think you kind of have to do that when you're, you know, you're taking the scenario of like Aliens probably what, like a hundred minute movie? Right. And you're you're pushing it down to, you know, 60 minutes and then you're doing a lot of side story and setup. So the pacing of it was maybe a little strange, but yeah, no, I, I thought it was very good. There's just a lot that was very interesting. Um, the only thing I would uh, bemoan is that, uh, we don't have a cat. I I feel like you need a cat (laughs) when you're doing an alien ripoff. Uh, That would have been random as hell though. Yeah, yeah, it really would have been. I guess they could have given the little girl a cat. She could have been holding a cat when they found her. (laughs) Instead, she was holding a Buckley. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, poor Buckley. Uh, Unidentified species. Uh, Sad, sad. So I did have one question. So in that scene where um, Himmer gets sprayed with uh, the Gorn venom, was did you see the Gorn aiming its venom at Himmer, or was Himmer as, like, stepping forward to protect Uhura? I kind of saw him as protecting Uhura when I watched it. That was what I thought when I saw it, too, but then, like, his later comment to Mbinga, more like, he was just like, oh, you know, that was a bad aim on his part. And it was, I don't know, it seemed, it seemed, I mean, maybe I'm overreading it, but it seemed like he was saying it, it was aimed rather than he, he took it, you know? Yeah, I think they left it a little ambiguous, just to, I don't know, Maybe come back to it one day for your horror's sake. Yeah. Although, I mean, I in this day and age that you could always uh, resurrect uh, Himmer. But, I mean, I, I really hope they don't. He's a great character, and there's a lot more they could do to him. But, I don't know. It's a perfect death. Why would you, why would you fuck with it? He never saw his body, Bob. Shh. <laughs> That's just because they didn't want to show a beloved member of the cast, like, ex- having Gorn explode out of his body. <laughs> yeah. Although that, that was, a, in a way, that would have that was a little bit of a regret for me. I'm glad they didn't, because it wouldn't have been tasteful. 
but you know, like I wanted, I want to see what um, what Gorn that incubated in an A&R look like. Yeah, this is gross. He'll be back somehow. I I I really hope not. That that would be super hack. They they should not bring him back. He's gonna be a Borg. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> No man, if you want if you want board prequel action, you got to go over to Enterprise. That's not what Star Trek: Strange New Worlds is for. You never know; They'll, they can just turn it all around. He's gonna be a board. So I will say that I thought Spock talking before letting loose of his rage was kind of dumb, but the long silence after he does it uh, until he compliments Himmer was actually that was very kind of good choice. I thought. Oh my God! This Spock in this reminded me of the JJ Trek. And the rage he had toward Khan in the second film, I guess the Star Trek Beyond, I think. I saw that in theaters, and I like busted out laughing, and people were like pissed at me and looking at me, and then I started booing. <laughs> I like I'm legit. I've never done this in a film. I know you've done it all the time, but I oh, never yeah. do this. And I had I was with people, and they're like, "What's wrong with you?" And I'm like, "This is the dumbest shit. This is Star Trek Two just reversed, and Spock is doing something out of character. Like, <laughs> like it's, <laughs> it's so dumb." I got mad, but this wasn't that bad. This was okay. I, I kind of it was it was it was all right. But you're right. The long silence part really added to it. You didn't really get that from the JJ trick. Yeah, yeah. You just got him basically <laughs> imitating Kirk. Did I tell you uh, my two uh, most uh, most ridiculous laughing in the theater stories? No. What are they? I went to see Sin City with a bunch of friends, and this was like what 2005, six, whenever that came out, and. I had not read Sin City comics before seeing the movie. And so we didn't really know what to expect in terms of tone. And at first, the Sin City movie is pretty off-putting because, like, the tone is kind of ridiculous and the CGI is pretty ridiculous. And we're just like, what the fuck is this? (laughs) And uh, then you get to the scene where Bruce Willis says about the Yellow Bastard, I took away his weapons, both of them, and blows off the Yellow Bastard's junk. And... We're like, oh, this is a comedy. And we started laughing, stop laughing, including like in the scenes when like Elijah Wood is like cutting up Mickey Rourke and everybody else in the theater was looking at us like we were deeply sick. <laughs> no, I'm just reminded of when I went to see, uh, I think it was the, was it the Rob Zombie remake of Halloween with you and uh, your friend Gray? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, y'all were cracking up and laughing the whole time. And like, <laughs> I thought we were going to be murdered. <laughs> I, as I as I recall that other pe- like a lot of the other people were like be- were hooting and hollering too. No, they weren't. We, no, they weren't. I don't as know I recall, you guys, I was in the center and Gray was on one side of me and you were on the other and they and they were you were like busting out laughing at the weirdest times and people were just like looking at you like what the fuck is wrong with these guys? Yeah, hey man, horror movies are hilarious. Yeah, they are. The the other great time was uh, a, a a then girlfriend and I went to for old men in theaters. And uh, we were the youngest people in the theater by 50 years. And um, at the end, you have a kind of cryptic ending, right? Where Tommy Lee Jones is just like, and then I woke up and, you know, the credits roll. And multiple old people were just like, what happened? (laughs) (laughs) Did the the reel get cut? (laughs) Did the machine break? Is he not going to track down sugar? We saw that together too. You must have seen that twice in that theater, at least. I I think I saw No Country for Old Men three times. Uh, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So you think Kimmer's coming back? Uh, I disagree. Um, I will say, 
it is a little cheesy, right, that Himmer's final words to Uhura are about how she needs to open herself up before he himself is about to be opened up by Goran Hatchlings, right? There's a little... Yeah, yeah, Bob, you made, like, way too many weird-ass connections. No, I, I, I get it, but it's, it's, it's a whole different, like... It was an ongoing thing for Uhura, so I, I don't... I didn't really make that connection between the Gorns tearing open Himmer's body... <laughs> and what he's the advice he's offering Uhura to actually talk to people and socialize. <laughs> Those are two saying, very different man. things. Okay, yeah. Just saying. <laughs> you're making you're making some really uh, oddball. Uh... I really don't think that's oddball. I think that's <laughs> text. <laughs> so, uh, how likely is it you think that Scotty will replace Himmer? I kind of hope it doesn't happen. I want them to do somebody else. I, I I want to. I would like them to keep this separate from TOS uh, well, crew wise for as long as they can. Yeah. Just because I, I enjoy that part and not trying to fit continuity into everything like with the characters. You, we've got Uhura that we're good. I mean, that's. that's I one agree with have. you that we don't necessarily want Scotty. How likely is it? I don't know. I hope they go with somebody else. But I, you're probably they probably are going to add someone. I just hope by season four we don't have like the entire TOS cast except for Kirk. <laughs> so that's going to get dumb. I don't think it's certain that Scotty will be the replacement, but I would just say I would put maybe like a one in three, one in two chance on it, you know? Yeah. Um, I My preference, uh, I mean, probably they won't do this because they probably would have to pay like royalties or something to the writers, but... Um, and do you remember the Star Trek Early Voyages comic from when we were kids? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I vaguely remember that. Yeah, it was like a Marvel comic in the, I think around like 96, 97. And it focused on like Pike and the crew um, before, or I think it was after the cage, but obviously before TOS. And the chief engineer in that run was a massy guy named uh, Chief Grace. And I, he was very cool. Like I said, they probably they wouldn't actually go with him because uh, they might lead to Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning. But that would that would be somebody I wouldn't mind. I also like I do kind of hope if they don't go with Chief Grace, I would kind of hope they would maybe do another alien, like maybe a Tellarite, because with you know you losing your your main alien off on the uh, cast, it'd be nice to have another one. Yeah, I, I feel like that we had the same issue in Discovery though, is where. They didn't want to have to keep putting money into the makeup budget, so they cut a lot of the aliens. <laughs> so what 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 you're saying is that Bruce Horak is going to come back not as Himmer, but just as another character with very similar personality, exactly, and less makeup. <laughs> yeah, he'll come back like with a, he'll come back as a Gordy a Jordy LaForge character with like the visor. Yeah, yeah, that'd be a little strange. I mean, I do hope Bruce Horak does keep acting because I think we had observed he had not been in very much uh before this so i i really hope he does keep acting because he's great and then uh of course we have another person who you know is kind of i guess getting put on the shelf uh noonie and sing which was surprising but i feel like this is almost like that episode of deep space nine i think it was season two where kira goes off somewhere yeah i mean it well could be that like her going off and coming back is just the plot of the next episode you know right but if she doesn't come back for some reason, I, we're gonna see her again, and I'm guessing she'll. Oh like yeah, some, yeah. She'll show up mid season two or something like that. Just I don't know where. Maybe even like early season two. Yeah, I I think they've definitely put too much time into the character to 
be so summarily writing her off. Yeah, it's, it, it definitely just seems like they want to put her on the shelf for storytelling reasons for a little bit. All right. Yeah. All right, yeah. Bob. So right. that kind of sums up Strange New Worlds. Let's talk character of the week. Bob, my character of the week is Starfinger. I didn't I know kinda, you loved the uh, German so much, Matt. I, I don't know. I dug this character. He's just crazy looking. He's got the, the weird fingers that all do different things. Uh, he's kind of funny. Like I like when he like shoots the uh, he shoots one of his fingers between his legs, like it's a <laughs> rocket. Just 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 funny character in general. Liked him. Given his uh, propensity in the comics for impersonating uh, doctors, how would you feel if uh, one day you walked into the doctor's office, or you walked in with your wife to the doctor's office, and there was Starfinger? Bob, I, I would not like let Starfinger anywhere near me if he was a doctor. I mean, if he looked just like he did in, the, in here. Now, if he was like. If he was in disguise, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but I wouldn't know it was him at that point. I wouldn't want him, like, giving me a prostate exam or anything. That'd be gross. You know, I just got to thinking about this. Starfinger's hand looks a lot like Dr. Claw from uh, Inspector Gadget. Maybe Starfinger was Dr. Claw. Yeah. There's a lot of similarities. That, yeah, I would say with Dr. Claw and with the Mandarin from Iron Man. Yeah. All right, Bob, who's your character of the week? Uh, definitely going to give it to Chief Hemmer, R.I.P. King. You were a real one. Yeah, he's a cool character. All right, episode of the week, though, Bob, does go to Strange New Worlds, All Those Who Wander. Great episode. Alien clone. Just fun times. People are still bashing it, though, on our uh, on what? the internet. Yeah, they're still what? bashing it. What People are, they, are like, giving up on Strange about? New Worlds. I don't know what, what they, they want. About? I don't know what they want, Bob. It drives me insane. You'll just see well, they're bitching because it's just a copy of Alien, and Star Trek is not Alien. And I'm like... Jackass. Like, they come get over from it. the same source, you dumb motherfucker. Exactly. See? What? If they listen to our podcast, they know that, Bob. See? Yeah. See? The, the story, it is the Black Destroyer story. I looked it up earlier while we were talking. So it's in the A.E. Van Vaught's collection, Voyage of the Space Beagle. Yeah. The whole so, collection is somewhat influential, but it's that, that story in particular. I just, it just blows my mind how people like her. So they didn't like last episode because of the, uh, the campiness to it. This episode's too dark, too much of a horror story. It's like you can't please ever you can't please anybody. Like it's I mean maybe stupid. maybe I shouldn't say this because you know we want people to listen to us and to donate on patreon.com slash uncanny checks. But like you just shouldn't listen to the fans. What the fuck do the fans know? Yeah, exactly. What's yeah, your episode yes. week, Bob? Uh, all those who wonder. Not you know, love the subs. Uh glad you're enjoying Legion. Uh, very, very still a little curious about your uh, affinity for Starfinger. But, uh, yeah, um, I, I, I have to give it to all those who wonder. Great episode. All right, Matt. Well, we have uh, wrapped up this uh, episode of uh, Legion of Superheroes versus Star Trek Strange New Worlds in Disguise. So uh, have a great night, everybody. Thanks for listening.